And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Good morning, Jets fans. We are getting an early start, Tuesday, October 19th. This is the Can't Wait podcast. Hope you're recharged after the bye week. And ready to go. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Thanks for checking us out. Whether you're watching us live on YouTube or listening later on Apple or Spotify, leave us a review, a thumbs up, whatever you can if you can. That always helps us out as we continue to try to grow this podcast. Lots to get to. We're going to do a mailbag today because that's our bi-week tradition on this podcast. Uh, Robert Sala also spoke on Monday coming out of the bi-week. We'll react to that. But first, it was a big weekend for our producer, Marissa Morris, who bachelorette party, and not just a bachelorette party, I give her credit, and and the reason we can talk about this on a football podcast is because it was a football-themed bachelorette party, the final game before she takes his name. That was the motto, right, Marissa? Yeah. um, My sister did an incredible job planning a whole football-themed, I mean, like, I'd never want to miss any of Michael's games. So, you know, I said when we were trying to plan something like, hey, why doesn't all my cousins come to Cleveland for a game? Like, that would be so fun. Sure, they love that. Half, <laughs> it's a top 10, top 10 bachelorette party destinations. Yeah. Cleveland's not there. <laughs> we had such a good time, though. Extend it to 100. <laughs> Half of them don't know what's going on in the game. But, you know, we had all the Gatorade bottles and we had – um the the shirts that said like team bride and it was very cute my sister did such a good job and and you know i did plan it also or being the producer that i am planned around the jets by week the eagles played on thursday and the bills did not play till monday night so um it was a great weekend um i'm still tired but doing good ready yeah ready you made for it week here seven. so that's good and you were here yeah. before connor and well as usual yes yeah. And I recorded all the ads ahead of time, so doing good. (laughs) That's not surprising. The countdown is on how many days now to the big day? Well, the sign on Sunday said 132, so I guess 130, 130. I know there's a lot of stuff for me to do. But there's going to be more games before that. Obviously, but like, you know, it was like the first sign was a lie. Connor. Oh my God, that's not the final game. You got like four more games before you take the big name. I know, but like, actually, before sorry. they come, and it, I'm so cute, so it was like it did. you know. All right, I give him that for a second because I was trying to do that math. Yeah, in my head. I was like, so I'm fairly confused. certain you're getting married like around the combine after the like, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very confused by that one. Very, yeah, that one. You threw me for a loop. It's too early for that. A little too early for that. <laughs> math. Can't be Connor. pulling fast ones. I'm about to go to Bree and be like. Marissa's wings right on the corner. What are, what are we doing? <laughs> Classic. All right. Uh, so to the Jets, um, or do you want to do you want to complain, Connor, about our picks? <laughs> I'll complain when we uh, later in the show. I'll complain for the second episode, and then before okay. before we do end this show, though, 
because I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll we'll get all the Jets talk in first, and then I'll I'll do the whole like disclaimer of like we need to get a sound effect or something like that. It's like we're about to not talk about the Jets. Like get that little like sound bite or whatever. When we get our our new logo finalized in the gear, we're gonna uh, we're gonna open it up with doing that. But um, I do. I should tell you guys how I got viciously attacked by a swarm of hornets on the uh, <laughs> golf course on Wednesday or uh, earlier this week. So I, I got to give you guys that uh, that lowdown on on how that happened because that was not not pleasant or enjoyable. And oh boy, I yes, might have to... that happened. I got I got attacked by a swarm of hornets. That was fun. I might have to reach out to the golf course and see if we can obtain some security video of that. I, oh, think, that the listener, was, yeah. I think the listeners would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> only me. Only me. It was bad. All right. Before we get to the latest golf shenanigans with Connor, uh, let's talk about the Jets. And let's st- first start with the press conference on Monday. Robert Sala coming out of the bye week. Obviously, Connor, most of the questions um, revolved around, hey, what did you guys do to fix things during the bye week? What did you think of the answers he gave? Oh, they were a little boring, but I mean, that's kind of his thing, right? Is that right. Sal is not exactly an open book and, and he's, you know, Adam Gase was, was, and I, I think that, I think Robert Sal is quietly molding into a combination of, of somebody who is more likable than Adam Gase, obviously by the fan base, but tells you about as much as Todd Bowles does. So he just kind of, where Todd would would very easily three letters be like yes or two letters say no. I mean that was kind of like the Todd Bowles thing, and and he just, you know, he didn't see how the media or talking to the media was ever going to really benefit him in doing his job. So starting in like 2016, 2017, he was like, I'm just not. These press conferences are going to be three to five minutes. I'm going to not say anything, and then I'm going to go back to coaching the football team because I don't see how this is going to benefit me in any way. And then with Adam. Adam was much more of an open book. Like, although fans kind of um, got the you know perception that he was like this disgruntled asshole, like that wasn't the case at all. I mean, he was, you know, there was a member of the media who obviously is, you know, well known now, like just, you know, they basically fought every single day for every single camp, which ruined a lot of the, the post, the press conferences for the rest of us, because the day that that person wasn't there, Adam was a completely different person. You know, it was the stress was gone. The tension was gone and he would just kind of talk to you and he was open. He was honest. He would explain to you what he was doing, what they weren't doing, what they were going to try to do this week. Robert is kind of like that melding of he's not going to tell you what he's doing, but he's going to be nice in telling you that he's not going to tell you what he's doing. (laughs) So obviously the big talk, the big talking point this entire week and what this big talking point is going to be for, uh, until the Jets get it fixed is is the offense in the first half is the fact that the Jets are are an atrocious first half football team. We're not talking about a team that can't score on their first possession, which is usually what you hear when people talk about you know an offense that's struggling to start games. It's that they're not scoring on their first drive. The Jets are not scoring on their first drive. They're not scoring in the first half. Period. I mean, what is it? It's now. 13 points, one touchdown, zero first, zero first quarter points. I think they picked up one first down on their first drive of games. Not points, not field goals, not one touchdown, one first down on their first drive of football games. And and that struggle and, and that issues that they are having to start games and the issues out of the gate are leading to these defensive breakdowns because you basically have a unit on the other side of the ball now that come the fourth quarter has basically played five and six quarters of snaps. So when you when the offense finally gets their shit together and the offense finally figures things out and the offense finally gets this team back into the game, but now they need a defensive stop because they basically spotted the other team a half of action without doing anything. The defense is so just uh 
so beaten down and so exhausted from having to exert all of that effort through so many snaps to start games that they can't make a stop when the Jets need it. And, and they need to figure out why they're going three and out. They need to figure out why they're not scoring points. And Salah said that they have made changes. They have made adjustments. They're subtle is the way that he described it was his word. He said that we are not as the media going to be able to tell any difference, but they went down, they looked at things, they looked at ways they can spark this team and, and they're going to do it this week. And hopefully they hope that it pays uh, some big dividends in uh in in um, New England when they travel up to Foxborough and, and we'll see as far as like everything else I mean you said the entire offensive staff went through to see what Zach Wilson does well what he doesn't do well they're going to keep hammering home what he does well and what he doesn't do well they believe what Salah said is that they are or I think he kept saying the word sounded or something like that or or along those lines it was a weird word choice where I was like I don't really understand that one but Basically, paraphrasing him is that he thinks that he's found the fix and he believes that the Jets have fixed their first half struggles and they're coming out of the bye. They're going to start much quicker against the Patriots and, and we'll see if that's the case. If not, I mean, I don't know what else you can do. I really don't. I really don't. Start keeping track of draft position. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, they'll also get, they well, they should get Marcus May back. They should get Davis back. So that should help the defense out a little bit as, mm-hmm. as the defense Maybe tired a little bit after the uh, as much downs as they played in those first five games. All right, let's move on to the mailbag then. Lots of good questions. Uh, thanks for getting them in on Twitter. We'll also keep an eye on the chat and see if anything good comes through there too to throw in. But uh, we're going to start with uh, Notorious Pez, Connor. He says, what happened with Moore? He went from a once-in-a-generation player in camp to barely hearing his name on Sunday. Is it him, Zach, the offensive coordinator, or all of the above? Um, yeah, so I've gone back and forth on this because this is among the more surprising developments of the season. And and yeah, more missed a, a game and a half. I think I, I do think I'll, I'll preface it by saying that I do think part of it has to do with the, the time that he missed in training camp where he missed that time with the quadriceps injury. And then I think part of it does have to do with the fact that he had no preseason snaps. So the first time he ever really saw live NFL action was week one against the Panthers. And, you know, I, I think that probably caused some slowness. And then obviously he had the concussion, which cost him basically a game and a half because he didn't play the second half after he had this concussion on the end of round. And then he missed a game as well. But I, looking at this, what I go back to, and, you know, what, what the Jets are, I'll put it this way. So I personally think, and this is just my opinion, the Jets don't necessarily totally agree with this, although Salah has started to make reference to this might be the case. When the Jets first drafted Elijah Moore, and you can go back and and look at it because we were all writing it, the initial reaction was the Jets drafted Elijah Moore. What does this mean for Jamison Crowder? And the reason why that was the initial point two after making point one of the Jets just got a playmaker is because the vast majority of Elijah Moore's college snaps were played from the slot. That's what he was. Is is he was electric. He was dynamic. They got the ball to him in a million different ways. But if you look at where he lined up on the vast majority of plays, he lined up as a slot receiver. And that's not totally uncommon because he's under six feet. He's incredibly elusive. Yes, he can get down the field and stretch the field, but he's best with the ball in space. He's best with using his agility and quickness to separate from defenders and safeties and whoever's there in the middle. And he's so smart that he's able to find the hole in the zone. He's he's your prototypical 
or he has all of the skill sets of your prototypical slot receiver with then the game changing game breaking ability to really take his skill to the next level and take, you know, where most slot receivers just catch the ball, go down like Wes Welker type guys. He has the ability to stretch the field. He can also go deep and things of that nature. When, so that's why right away, all of us kind of said, oh, does this mean young team, you're just now going to try to flip Jamison Crowder, cut Jamison Crowder, trade Jamison Crowder, just hand the slot slot job to to Elijah. And, and Salah said no, and Douglas said no. When we saw Elijah making the vast majority of his plays, it was it was during OTAs and minicamp. During OTAs and minicamp, he was lining up as the slot receiver. He was not lining up outside because Jamison Crowder during OTAs was in that contract holdout. And then during minicamp, he had his little acclimation period, so he didn't do any team drills. So the Jets' three starting receivers were Keelan Cole outside, Corey Davis outside, and then Elijah Moore in the middle. Once Jamison Crowder got healthy, and you've seen Jamison Crowder's a very good slot receiver, but Jamison Crowder doesn't have any ability to play outside. The same goes for Braxton Berrios. So... What the Jets have tried to do here, both when Jamison Crowder isn't on the field and then also when Jamison Crowder has been on the field because Crowder missed some time as well, and that's when you saw Barrios play in the slot, is as Salah said, they're trying to get their best players on the field at all times. So because Barrios has no ability to play outside and Crowder has no ability to play outside and Elijah Moore, the Jets believe, can play outside, what they're trying to do is get their three best receivers on the field at most points in time, which means Corey Davis, and that means Elijah Moore, and that means Jamison Crowder. And the way that they have to do that is Elijah Moore outside, Corey Davis outside, Jamison Crowder in the slot. That's how they get their best on the field. In my opinion, that's coming somewhat at the expense of what Elijah Moore is best at. You know, where where I think what we've learned very early on is that the reason why the vast majority of NFL scouts and NFL talent evaluators said, yeah, this kid's a game-changing, game-breaking talent, but he's a slot guy. Like, that's what he did in college. That's what he does best. That's where he's going to fit in the NFL. Not all slot guys can just go outside. This isn't Madden where you can just put him out there. I mean, there's a reason why there are so few sub-six-foot outside receivers. I mean, it's better when you're a bigger body guy, when you have the Denzel Mims mold, when you have the Corey Davis mold. So... I think a good portion of this is that, and a good reason why Elijah Moore hasn't taken off is one part because he's playing a little bit of out of position, which you know we wrote about before the bye, is that I think he's better as a slot receiver. And, and if he was playing strictly slot receiver, you'd see his production take off significantly more. That's part one. Part two is that I've been very disappointed in the ways that the Jets have used Elijah Moore. And I'm not talking about the way that he lined up on the field. I'm not talking about, you know, him being an outside receiver. I'm talking about like after the Jets drafted him, I remember talking to a couple people around the league, talking to people within the Jets building, talking to Salah and just kind of saying like, man, like what? Give me like the lowdown on this kid. Like I, I'm not, a, I've always said this before to you guys a million times. Like I'm not a scout. Like I, when I comes to college tape and college players, like I'm not a huge college football fan. So I don't watch a ton of college football. So I rely on the scouts that I know that do this. And I rely on Dane Brugler who does this. And I rely on guys who who study this in ways that I don't because I'm covering the NFL. And I was like, a lot of people that I've talked to have, have kind of made reference to like how dynamic this guy once the ball is in his hands. And I was led to believe back then that the Jets were going to use Elijah like the 49ers use Debo Samuel, where yeah, He's running plays out of the slot. Yeah, he's running plays outside. But you see Debo 
in the backfield. You see Debo getting the ball on reverses. You see Debo on jet sweeps. You see him on end arounds. You see Debo running routes. But also, more than anything, you see the 49ers trying to get Debo Samuel the ball, period. That it doesn't matter if it's handed to him. It doesn't matter if it's tossed to him. It doesn't matter if it's a screen, a drag, a draw, an actual route, anything like that. They just want the ball in his hands because good things happen when the ball is in his hands. It almost seems like the Jets went in with that idea of we just want to get the ball to Elijah Moore because when the ball is in his hands, magic happens. And that's the case. That is what this guy does. When the ball is in Elijah Moore's hands, magic happens. For some reason, the Jets have gone from let's just get this kid the ball and see what he does to we're using him as an outside receiver. He's going to run patterns that an outside receiver runs. And if he's open, we're going to get on the ball. You know, when was the last time we saw a screen pass to Elijah Moore? You know, we saw one and around where he had the concussion. Where's just the the plays designed, the toss? Why isn't he lining up in the backfield? I mean, that what the Jets need to do a better job of after this buy more than anything else with Moore is just get him the ball. Watch Kadarius Tony, the player the Giants drafted, who you know obviously I've made fun of a million times. Watch the way that Jason Garrett, of all people, used Kadarius Tony against the Dallas Cowboys. That's how the Jets should be using Elijah Moore. He, I know Corey Davis is your best receiver. I know Denzel Mims is probably your most athletic, physically imposing receiver. I know they love the speed and the high-pointing ability of Keelan Cole. But this offense's best playmaker, the one player in this offense who has the ability to take any ball and just go, any play and just go, that's Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is the one game-changing, game-breaking player on this roster. I saw him take a five-yard slant 80 yards to the house in minicamp. I've seen him stretch the field. I've seen him just, again, when the ball is in his hands, good things happen. When you have a player like that, and the Jets haven't had a player like that in quite some time, you want to get him the ball. And once you get him the ball, let him work. They did not do that the first five weeks, and they have to do that coming out of the break. So why hasn't he had the production? I think a part of it has to do with him playing outside and not the slot. But also a good part of it has to do with them just not giving him the ball. Them trying to pigeonhole him into just, you're an outside receiver, you're going to play outside receiver, and not, this guy's a difference maker, let's make him make a difference, or have him make a difference. Okay, so this next question is from Dan B, and I believe Dan is in the chat a lot, and we've talked a lot about this throughout the season so far, but... What would you say are some things you've seen that led to you to believe the Jets are on track in this building process? I guess if you don't believe anything, you could say that too, but. Um, that's, that's a tough one. Um, uh, I would say that honestly, it's. Hmm. A part of <laughs> Dan that, like, why Dan B has, Dan so B has made Connor Hughes speechless. So yeah. shout out to Dan B because yeah. it takes a lot to do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, really. Um, I mean, they're competing. They, they are. Like, you can tell that. I mean, it's it's I, the, the, the reason why I have a trouble, like, answering this question is because, like, you're just going to hear the same song and dance that I've said so many times during this losing streak, so many times over the last, like, like 10 years or, or 10 years, you know, that they've been in this playoff drought. And, and since I've been on the beat and all this stuff, is that, like, oh, well, you know, you've acquired all these draft picks. No, oh, well, you have a general manager that people say good things about. No, oh, you have a coach that people like. And and you have a franchise quarterback that the organization believes in. But the fact is, is like I've I've now, if you want to call it devolved, you can call it devolved. But I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, show me now. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not buying the song and dance. I'm not sitting here and, and gonna tell you like, oh, just trust me. Just trust the Jets. Because the fact is, is like, when you haven't made the playoffs in a decade, when you've won three games over the last year and a half, you know, when, when you've struggled in the ways that this team has struggled. You don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they have a hell of a lot more misses than they do hits. They have a hell of a lot more complete implosions than they do nice, successful runs. I mean, it's, it's, I'm in the boat now of like, I'm not just going to get, I've given the Jets the benefit of the doubt before. You know, when they hired Adam Gase and I was like, that's not really the direction I would have gone. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. When they, made some of the decisions that they've made in free agency recently where they chose not to spend. They chose not to go after Jack Conklin. They chose not to make an additional run at a, at a, at a receiver. They chose not to do this. They chose not to do that. I was like, all right, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, you, you know more. But the fact is, is that I keep giving this team the benefit of the doubt saying like, oh, well, maybe you're right. And they keep being, they keep being wrong over and over and over again. So why should you feel like happy? I mean, or why should you believe the Jets are headed in the right direction? I'm just going to give you the same song and dance to like, you know, it's the stupid like organizational company line. Like, oh, you have everyone pulling in the right direction. Oh, you have a coach that's motivated people. Oh, you have a young quarterback that can make really impressive throws. Eventually, man, and, and what I've gotten to in this is like, just freaking show me now. Like win football games. Like I, I get, it's almost like the Joe Judge. Like I, I watched some of that Giants game and like Joe Judge is like, don't worry, we're going to get this right. You know, it's don't worry, we're going to turn this around. It's like, well, why should people believe you? Because you guys won five or six games last year. Now you're one in five this year. Like, okay, like, yeah, we're headed in the right direction. Look at all the draft picks we have. Look at all the draft picks we've acquired. Well, yeah, you're right. You've acquired a lot of draft picks. You've done a really good job acquiring picks. But draft picks are like this odd anomaly where, like, they are never worth more than when, like, they are not used. And then as soon as they're used, like, the Jets drafted Makai Becton, like, as a rookie, right? Like, when they drafted him, Makai Becton. Like, the day after the draft, it's like a used car. Like, or a new car that you drive off the lot. Like, the Jets drafted Makai Becton 11th overall. The day after the draft, they could not get a first-round pick for him. Like, no one would have traded. It's like it's weird. Like, it's weird with the draft. Like, you have this new car. It's like, oh, my God, look at this new car. You drive it off the lot, and, like, it's immediately done. Right? It's, it's weird. So, yeah, they've acquired all these draft picks. They have all these draft picks. But, like, they don't mean shit unless you hit on them. And if you look at like what the Jets did in their first draft, what Joe Douglas did in his first draft, if he does that over the next two years, the Jets aren't suddenly going to be studs. Like Makai Becton, there's legitimate questions there. Denzel Mims can't get on the field. Ashton Davis just got back on the field. Michael P. Ryan, Jabari Zuninga, they're guys that are, are Jabari Zuninga's on the practice squad. Uh, and and Ashton Davis just got activated. And and uh, Michael P. Ryan can't even get active. So he's on the 53, but he can't get active. And James Morgan, a fourth round pick, he's on another roster. So on another roster's practice squad. So if they go through and use all these draft picks on players that turn into that production, the Jets are going to keep being trash. So I don't know, man. I mean, just you're a, Dan's a Jets fan. So just hope your team eventually turns it around. But I honestly don't have anything to say like, oh, this is why. Because all of the things that the Jets are preaching is why it's different this time or why it's going to be turned around. It's all stuff you've seen before. And so it's like, I'm at the point now where it's like, just show me. Start winning games. Start legitimately competing. Show me a quarterback that like looks like Herbert did or Tua did at times last year or like really shows like legitimate promise. And I haven't seen that yet. So 
I mean, I'm not going to sell you false hope. I'm not, I'm not, not going to be the snake oil salesman. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll see. All right. A lot more questions to get to, but first we have to take a short break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, let's get back to the mailbag. I just noticed, noticed Elijah Moore's in the chat. Um, probably not the Elijah Moore, <laughs> but, but nice of him to check in. Um, all right, Connor, this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about and the draft picks and the need to hit on the draft picks. This one from SK says, do you think Joe Douglas and other management are secretly trying, wanting to tank this year for key pieces to add while developing their young team? Or as a team, is that a counterproductive practice? As a new fan, I'd love to see the progress from a young team, but still get a top five pick. That's a tough ask. No, it's not like, no. The only time you see a team that's going to be interested in, or they're never going to say it publicly, but secretly interested in where they're not necessarily hating the losses is when you're looking to get a quarterback, is when you're looking to draft a quarterback. So the Jets last year, for example, the Jets in 2017, where they were tanking to get Sam in 2018, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars last year, the Houston Texans to an extent this year, when you don't have a quarterback um, and you are in contention for a top pick and a potential game-changing quarterback, that's when suddenly those losses don't sting as much after you get through the halfway point. That's when suddenly you've got your eyes not focused on a playoff run or a divisional run or anything like that, but you've got your eyes focused on the NFL draft and trying to get yourself a quarterback. The Jets are not in a position right now where they want that what they want to see is growth from the number of young players that they have on their roster they want to see signs that Zach Wilson is the franchise quarterback they envisioned when they made him the number two overall pick they want to see the steps forward they want to see that they're going in the right direction they want me to be able to answer the question that we just were asked, that Dan asked, like where he was like, oh, what signs should I know the Jets are in the right direction? I can't give any right now, which is not a great sign because they just look headed for another top five pick. Ideally, the Jets this year would have won six, seven or eight games. You know, they would have won. They would have competed in all of them. They would have stolen some games within the division. They would have beaten some teams that maybe slept on them. They would have had Zach Wilson looking like a player that could potentially win rookie of the year. You know, that's what they wanted to see. And they wanted to win games. I mean, they had no ill-advised thoughts of like, we're going to be a playoff team or we're going to win a divisional title, but they still wanted to be competitive. They still wanted to be in every single game. They still wanted to see signs that the young quarterback they drafted is in fact going to be a franchise quarterback. That's the goal for this year. Once you draft a quarterback, 
that becomes this goal. That becomes what this season's all about. So no, it's not, it's not secretly hoping they tank. I mean, the teams that the Jets are hoping stink and the Jets hoping they keep losing are the Panthers because they have their second round pick and the Seahawks because they have their first round pick. So those are teams the Jets want to see lose every single week. But after drafting Zach, that's not what they want. That's not what they're looking to do. No. Okay, we did get a question about when Joe Douglas is going to speak, but because the bye week's so early, you did mention, Connor, that he should speak um, midway through the season. So when he does that, we will obviously have full coverage on the Can't Wait podcast. But this question is from Frankie J <clears throat> on Twitter. What scenario is more likely outcome? May it gets traded by the deadline or the Jets trade for a tight end by the deadline? Um, See, this is where it's like it's tough because – I don't necessarily know yet. I can't. So I know I've seen the rumors, right? I read about the rumors. They were they were the that Marcus May could go for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Marcus May, like something like that. Like uh, I saw a Marcus May for OJ Howard deal. Somebody tweeted me about it. like that was like a rumor that was circulating was that the Jets could trade. Um, the Jets could go ahead and trade. Uh, Marcus May with something else and they could get, or Marcus May, they could get OJ Howard because odds are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to re-sign OJ Howard. OJ Howard's a pretty good, talented player. So the Jets could get him in their building, have basically eight weeks to evaluate him, then decide if they want to extend him or not next year because he's on the final year of his contract. The Marcus May situation became significantly more clouded after that DUI, because he's going to get suspended. I mean, it's just the NFL has to complete their evaluation. The legal process has to go through, but he's going to get, he's going to get suspended. It's going to happen. Like, especially because he also didn't report the suspension to the league or to the jets. So that's adding to the fact that he's definitely going to get suspended. It's just going to happen probably the beginning of last year. So if you're a team, you're going to give up. I mean, the jets are going to want a, a significant draft pick. Like they're going to want something impressive. So, or not, not like a throwaway, like sixth round or seventh round. Like they're going to want a four. They're going to want a five, at least for Marcus may. So if you're another team, again, all the, like I said, all these draft picks are worth so much more before you actually use them. So if you're another team that's looking for Marcus may, are you going to give up a fourth or fifth round pick for a player that is now coming off an ankle injury was not playing particularly well before the ankle injury, is kind of limited in that he's really just a free safety. He doesn't have much success or ability to play within the box. He's just like your deep center fielder. You have to pay him after the season. He wants to be paid substantial money after the season, at least what he got on the franchise tag this year. And if you pay him, you know, odds are he's probably going to miss four games or so to start next season. I don't see him as a player that really has that much value, despite what Eric Burkhart says, despite what some people might say, like, oh, teams want, like, yeah, I mean, if you're a team, you'll give up like a seven for Marcus May, because even if you're just getting him as a rental, it's like, all right, well, we gave a seventh round pick for a guy that's going to immediately check in as a starter, probably be better than what we have right now and help solidify our secondary. But it, are the Jets really going to pass with, are really going to let Marcus go for a seven for a six? No, I think, I mean, at the worst, I could see maybe a five at worst, maybe a four. Like, I think that's what the Jets would want. And I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's tough. That's a tough one for me to see the one that honestly I could see more. And I think the Jets could get a little bit more value for him. I think he can tr contribute a little bit more to a team. And I think a team might be more willing to go out there and get him is actually Crowder. I think Jamison Crowder is the guy that if I were the Jets, I would be shopping a little heavier. And if I were another team, I'd be more interested in going and getting him because Crowder is 
a very good slot receiver. He's somebody who is a quarterback's best friend. He's somebody who can check in and help another team. And if you're the Jets, trading Crowder would open up that slot position to either play Elijah Moore, who's better in the slot, or a player in Braxton Berrios, who the Jets are just infatuated with and love and believe is one of their best receivers. So I just... The May one, I, I I have trouble seeing it happen. Like when it before the DUI, I could totally see it. like the ankle injury. I don't think would impact it that much. I'm like, yeah, because you know he'll get back for the Patriots game. You'll see him still play. He can get the clean bill of health. He'll still pass a physical. He'll be fine. But after the DUI and knowing that he's it, it, the suspension is going to be coming next year, I just don't. I I don't I don't know what the point is for the Jets of letting him go because he's still a leader within the locker room. He's still somebody who helps your defense. You still do need safeties. You're still not a better team without him than you are with him. And for the pick you're going to get, I just, I don't know. It, uh, I, I just, I don't think, it, I wouldn't say it's not going to happen, but it is a deal where I would, it's not as cut and dry or as easy as it would be before. And, and the second part of that question where someone asked about trading for a tight end, it's like, who are you going to go and get? You know, I, I don't think Joe Douglas clearly is not somebody who deals away draft picks. It's not what he does. And the Jets defense or the Jets roster, I should say, doesn't have that many players that are expendable that other teams would want. You would see Jamison Crowder is one. You would say, obviously, Marcus May is one. The Jets are not going to trade Jared Davis. That's clear after what we talked to, to Robert Sala earlier this week where where he said, or last week, I should say, before uh, the Jets left for the bye, where he said this guy's going to be a starter and, and, and be a starter and playing starter reps once he's ready. Um I just I think I think the Jets tight ends either going to be coming in the draft or in free agency next year. I just don't I don't necessarily see it happening during the draft unless you know maybe they do swing that thing for OJ Howard. The other thing you got to be careful with with trading these players away, especially a guy like May who's a leader, is what it does for that clubhouse, right? And that chemistry. There's a long way to go in this you don't season. Want to get, yes, you don't want things to uh, to spiral negatively beyond what's already happening on the field at times. All right, next question is from Carl Wilms. Uh, what player has surprised you the most this season, good or bad? Well, the entire secondary, honestly, I'll, I'll go the secondary top to bottom. Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, uh, Mike Carter, uh, Javelin Guidry. I mean, these this was a, a secondary that I thought was going to be historically bad. Um, after what I saw throughout the offseason, after what I saw in training camp, this was a cornerback, safe, safety, just secondary as a whole that I thought was just going to be absolutely demolished by teams week in and week out. The quarterbacks were just going to pick at them. And, and you know, one of the reasons I felt that way was watching those joint practices with the Packers. And I know Aaron Rodgers is unreal. I know that's that offense is great and spectacular and all that stuff. But it was the way in which Aaron Rodgers beat that secondary. It was he just slanted the Jets to death. He just quick passed the Jets to death. I mean, it was a quarterback that got rid of the ball before the secondary could get home or before the pass rush could. It was a quarterback who got rid of the ball before the pass rush could get home. And there were players just running wide open. And I'm like, man, every team's going to do that once the season starts. Like, every single team that plays the Jets is going to do that. And the way that Hall has elevated his play, the way that Eccles has elevated his play, the way that Carter has elevated his play, and Javelin Guidry as well when he's checked in to play outside, inside, nickel, and dime. It's been the most surprising development of players. And and part of it, I think, has to do with the style of man coverage that the Jets play. Part of it has to do with coaching. A, l- a large part of it has to do also with the Jets pass rush, which has been better than what, I mean, you expected it to be pretty good and it has been even better than that. But as far as surprises go, by my point, man, it's, it's the secondary. It is, it is the way that they have played and the way that they have performed has been 
so above expectations and and I mean forget like even just not being awful they've been pretty decent like I wouldn't say great I wouldn't say awesome yet but like they compared to how bad they were it is a group that has performed so wildly above expectations that that is awesome I mean it's a competent solid decent group and I never would have thought that would have been the case after training camp okay this next question is from Peter Weinstock is there a vocal leader on the offense? Seems to be an issue, especially with a rookie QB slash OC. Obviously, Mosley is the leader on the defense. Yeah, they have more. But I mean, not even just Mosley. It's John Franklin Myers is a guy who talks a lot. You know, there's Foley Fatukasi is a guy who talks a lot. I mean, there's a number of players on there. Vinnie Curry, who's not even playing right now, but is in all the meetings, is somebody that every single defensive player talks about as a leader and somebody that they, they listen to and think basically a coach now because he's not playing. Um, offensively, I, I don't know if necessarily there's that raw, raw vocal guy. I mean, you have Corey Davis, who I think is, is stepping into that role. You have Zach Wilson who talks, but I mean, a lot of the guys I think are that, that will speak up or, or on actually the offensive line. I mean, Greg Van Roten's more of a vocal guy. Uh, George Fant is more of a vocal guy. I mean, there are players there, but I also don't think you necessarily need the like raw, raw screaming, yelling on both sides of the ball. I mean, as long as there's a couple on the team, you're, you're set and fine. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think about like true raw, raw. Like there was, I remember Michael Strahan was like always like a huge raw, like huge emotional, like passionate leader for the Giants. It was never that player on the offensive side of the ball. Like it was kind of more subdued, and that still worked for them, and that was fine. I mean, I know Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are two quarterbacks that are much more vocal, but you don't necessarily need that because there's plenty of quarterbacks that have immense success that aren't the screaming, yelling guys. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't look at and, and think of that as an issue. I mean, the Jets have plenty of issues right now. They've got plenty of problems. I don't think the lack of like a, a superstar stud offensive player who is also screaming and yelling and chanting and fiery uh, and fiery and passionate vocally from what you see is, is this team's issue right now on the offensive side of the ball. I don't. More questions to come, but first we got to take another break. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Back to the mailbag we go. Uh, and the next one's from Mike Williams. He says, hey, not seeing he is the not saying he's the perfect example, but seeing ex-Jets make plays yesterday, such as the Luvu blocked punt. What is one player you covered while they were on the Jets that you felt like they were too quick to cut bait with? Plenty of options there, Connor. Huh. I gotta think about that one. Um Huh. It's funny because like there are a couple like there's obviously like Brandon Shell is out there starting in Seattle and you know, uh Justin Burris is a corner who like is random, like he was like a McCagnan cast off that's kind of gone on to to do um actually have a decent career for himself. Um you could throw Robbie Anderson the into the, the conversation Robbie too. Anderson I mean, granted, well. he was a free yeah. agent, but he was a guy that wanted yeah, to Robbie, stay. by the way, has been awful this year. Right. Like, Robbie's done diddly poo like this season for the Panthers. Like I remember, I looked it up. I was like, I think, yeah, he like he caught five passes against the Cowboys, but then like two against the Eagles, three against the Vikings. Like he's done. He's been all like he has not been good this year. What's his numbers? He's got uh, where are we here? Robbie Anderson, 15 catches for 190 yards and two touchdowns. And 57 yards and one of those touchdowns came on one catch against the Jets. Other than that, I mean, he's been bad. Like, he's he's on pace for, like, career lows in virtually everything, despite the fact he's playing all the time. Um, but you could throw him into the mix. I think he's probably one that was given up on a little too early. Um, but I understood why the Jets. Like, it was explained to me why the Jets gave up on him. And it was that, you know, they they thought his market was going to be like 14 15 million dollars they never thought he would sign for what he did which you know Joe Douglas has said we had to change the way that we view free agencies and change the way that we view um that sort like we had to evaluate our players as we were off there cuz the jets would have re-signed Robbie for what he got they just didn't want to give him 13 14 million cuz you know he's a player that that you know when he's not the number one target he tends to zone off on routes and and he runs with a questionable crowd in Florida that they were worried about him getting in trouble and and suspensions taking him off the field but um i think two that immediately come to mind that the jets let go that they should not have because it would have kept things stable for significantly longer were Andre Roberts and Jason Myers the kick returner punt returner who made all pros for the jets and then they let walk in free agency and didn't want to pay um, they were two guys that if you think about the, the turnstile at, at kicker that the Jets have had since they let Myers go, I mean, Myers has developed into a really good kicker. And the Jets' worry was that his season with him was a flash in the pan, and it wasn't. Then you think about the number of uh, the lack of difference makers the Jets have had a punt and kick returner since letting Andre Roberts go. He was, again, a player that wasn't going to cost you too much money, could also fill in a receiver and could sit there and be a kick returner. So, you know, I'm not going to fault the Jets for trading Leonard Williams, although he's kind of now started to find a home for himself with the Giants and you know, Sheldon Richardson was another player they traded, and and there's been other guys that they've that have come in the room and left. But the the two that I think that just would have been the one that I'm like, you guys should have just brought him back. And I understood why they didn't, but still, you should have brought him back. Aside from Robbie, which is the obvious one, if you want to go for like the two less obvious ones, for me, it's Jason Myers and Andre Roberts. Those are two players that I think the Jets just they should have brought back. You know, they really should have, and and I was surprised that they didn't. And uh, the other one too, um, that was a massive mistake. Now that I I can't believe I forgot him. That, you know, he had the year with the Jets and it was an unbelievable year. And in the Jets' opinion, they were like, oh, well, this is just a flash in the pan year and it didn't work out. And he's actually developed into not only just a leader, but one of the best players at his position in the NFL is Demario Davis. You know, when the Jets basically traded, they did trade Calvin Pryor for him and they get him back in here. And Demario has the year that he did with the Jets. And he was just, I mean, he was dominant. He suddenly could cover. He could suddenly make plays in the... He was a pass rusher. He made plays in the run. He was obviously the leader. I mean, he was a 
dominant, dominant player when he came back to the Jets. And the Jets let him walk, and they replaced him with Avery Williamson. And DeMario went to the Saints, and he has become just a dominant, game-changing player. Him, 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 I actually would put him higher on the list than, than Andre Roberts and, and Jason Myers. DeMario Davis, and then obviously Andre Roberts and Jason Myers. Those guys as a cluster of players that you know never never should have left the building. All right, Connor, final question. This question comes from Parth on Twitter. Now let's put our draft hats on. If the Jets use both of their first this year, what positions do you see them targeting? I know that's early, but not too no, early to um, talk about uh, the draft for the Jets, right? Yeah, I think it's going to come now. I haven't started draft prep at all. I'll be honest with you. I've been putting it back. I, I, my editor was actually, I just had a call with Allison, uh, my editor today. And we were talking about like, all right, look, the Jets are one and four. What are we doing the rest of the way here? And I was like, I'm focusing on this season as long as we can. I don't want to start going the free agency draft route until we absolutely have to, which we're probably three bad losses away from going full focus on the draft. Um, right now, the positions that I would say, and I this is without me knowing who the top players in college football are. This is without me saying like, all right, this is who the Jets could target. The biggest positions of need that I think the Jets still have uh, I could see cornerback. I could see another offensive lineman because Morgan Moses might not be back next year. They can move on from George Fant. And if you want to keep building that wall, absolutely. Pass rusher, because I'm telling you, you can never rule out as many pass rushers. Look at what the 49ers did, and that's absolutely there. But I would think cornerback. I would think pass rusher. Um, I could see an offensive lineman or the other two. And I don't think there's like a Kyle from what I, I did do some reading on this is I don't think there's like a Kyle Pitts in this year's draft so I don't think there's a tight end that's going to be worthy of a top 10 pick I think the Jets will probably go tight end with one of those second rounders but it also wouldn't surprise me if they went and they got a receiver and the reasoning my thought process for that is if there's like a, with one not with maybe their first first round pick but one of those two first round picks because that could give you like a legitimate player that you think is going to be a number one receiver outside you then have Corey Davis out opposite him you then have Elijah Moore in the slot you have a tight end you can draft in the second round, use another first round pick on that offensive lineman, and suddenly you're in really good shape. I mean, because that would be an offensive line that you have first round pick left tackle, first round pick left guard, a first round pick that you use at either right guard or right tackle, depending on who you end up selecting there. You have Elijah Moore, second round pick, Corey Davis, a free agent signing a first round pick of receiver, and you can have a second round pick of tight end. That's, and then plus you talk about the running back stable, which the Jets will just, you know, they like Michael Carter. But they're, I don't think they're ever going to invest like a first-round pick in a running back or even a second-round pick in a running back. Like they'll they'll sign a veteran to pair with Carter and do something like that. So I think that suddenly gives you a, an offense that people can be afraid of. And then you can focus on basically what you've got off Bryce Hall and what you've got off Michael Carter. I think those two cornerback positions are pretty good. I mean, you can if there's a dominant, like, number one, no-doubt corner that you want to go get, I could see that too. But also, I can see the Jets just adding a veteran in free agency and then going safeties and free and building your, your defense is fine right now. You want to keep working on that offense. And I think adding another offensive lineman, adding a tight end and adding a receiver could do that a lot for this grouping. And and you've got you're going to have three pretty good picks to start off with the two first round picks in the second rounders. So if you go any variation of offensive lineman and receiver tight end, I think you're in pretty good shape. All right. Thank you so much for all the great questions. Uh, we like doing the mailbag every once in a while. The bye week is always the perfect time. Before we say goodbye, though, uh, play that music that we'll eventually have because Connor's going to talk about golf. There we go. There we go. So my uh, I know we got two minutes here. So I know, Tim, you said you had a hard out at 10 a.m. So I want to make sure that I you get can this take done. four minutes, four minutes. All right. There we go. I don't want uh, 
I don't want Mrs. McMaster and baby McMaster to, to hate me already. Um, so I'm playing, I'm, I played a golf, a round of golf on, uh, on Saturday with, and, and I joined this country club, the cobblestone Creek, which I, I like so far, but I haven't played with anyone. So I've been trying to like make friends that I can have like golfing friends. So when I play during the week, I can go with them. So for the first time I did this little selection when I got my tea time of like play with two people and I got paired with a dad and his son, both really, really nice guys. So we're on like the fourth hole. It's a par five. And the guy that I'm playing with his son sliced a ball into like the wooded area on the right. So as a gentleman and a scholar, I was like, I'm going to go help this guy go find his golf ball, right? Like I'm going to go help him get his golf ball. So walk over there because I'm carrying my bag. I'm like, well, as I'm looking for his ball, I'm not going to carry around this bag the whole time. So I take my bag off, put it on the ground and then keep walking around looking for his ball, looking for his ball. After like two, three minutes, the guy goes, I'm just going to take a drop, drop the ball, go on and, and, and move on with my life. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to give one more lap. So I walk by my bag again and I keep like go to walk past it. And I feel like a, a thorn or like a sticker, almost like I walked past a sticker bush, but then it goes from like that initial, like scraping pain to this searing, horrific, like I just got stabbed pain. Like, I mean, I've been stung by a bumblebee before. I've been stung by like that, the bee, like the honeybee. Like, this was not like that. This was, I told Bree this, like, this was literally like I got stabbed. And I'm like, holy crap. So I look down at, like, my right leg where, like, I feel the pain. And I see this black hornet just go into town on my ankle. I mean, it's not like a bee that stings and run away. This thing's like, pow, 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 like, just going. So I'm like, holy crap. So I take my hand, I swat it, and I get it, and it dies. And I'm like, hold. So like, I kind of like run away from where I was. I like, kind of like jog, stumble away. I'm like, holy, like that freaking hurt. Like that, I, I, again, I felt pain. And I'm not somebody who doesn't usually handle pain that well, surprisingly. This was one where I was like, holy crap. Like that hurt a lot. So I look at the guy that I'm, I'm playing with, the guy whose ball I was trying to find. I'm like, oh, man. I was like, yo, me a beer. I, I just got stung by a bee looking for your ball. And the guy starts laughing. At me. He goes, oh, I got you, man. I got you. And then all of a sudden, his face goes like white. Expression drops off. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he points at my bag and he goes, look. And I look at my bag. And I'm not kidding you. When I put my bag down on the ground, I put it on top of a hornet's nest. So I so it's your slam. Fault. Yeah, I slammed my head down. Like, basically, I went genocide on, like, this entire, like, home of hornets. And they all... Or, I mean, there's 60 of them just swarming the bottom of my bag. And it's just, they're going and going and going. And I'm like, now I'm like, holy hell, what do I do? It's, it was 80 degrees on Saturday. I'm in short sleeves and or a short sleeve polo and shorts. And I'm like, I got to get my bag. So my first in- inclination, like brilliant, you know, scientific Connor guy is that I had, I was carrying coffee. So I was like, all right, take off the lid of the coffee, throw the coffee at the Hornets. They will disperse, and then I can sprint in, grab my bag, and sprint out. So that was game plan one. Threw it in there. Did not work. The Hornets don't do anything. If anything got a little wet, started zooming around and going after it again. I'm like, God damn it, that didn't work. So luckily, to make a, a longer story a little bit shorter, is that the guy had a quarter zip on. All right, so you guys here, take my quarter zip. So I took the quarter zip, kind of bumbled it around my neck, and then what I did was I ran into the swarm of Hornets, grabbed the top of my bag because most of them were on the bottom. Like there were only five or six at the top, grabbed the top of the bag with my two hands, sprinted like five yards, dropped it, then ran like another 10 yards just to like get away. Then went back, dragged it five more yards, then sprinted again, hoping that like the further I got my bag away from the nest, 
they would go back to their crushed home to like I assume like hornets are like bees where they have a queen like go try to find their queen and save their queen who I probably like made two dimensional and like I could just keep taking my bag away and the method did sort of work the issue was like the five that were swarming around the top followed me and then I got stung like on the inside of my leg I got stung like two times on my left ankle I got stung another few times on my right I mean I ended up getting it was about five or six into like five or six spots of stings like but then those same spots were hit like three or four times each because like those those bastards don't stop like those hornets they just go like bang 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 but I will say I separated separated my club from the uh, clubs from the stuff and I, I finished the round of golf. I didn't end up out. when I got home. My ankle was like the size of a watermelon, which wasn't great. And you know, obviously, I used it to try it for sympathy, like points with Bree. Like I need to be taken care of now. I'm 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 an injured person. I was attacked by a wild animal, all that stuff. But yeah, that was my uh, wild my golf story from Saturday. Yeah, no, I still still I, I will take I'll tell you this though. I, I prefer my uh, I would prefer getting attacked by hornets to. Um, uh, that caddy that I experienced. In, I was going to say the, the hornets were still nicer yeah. to you than the caddy. Yeah, the hornets were nicer to me <laughs> than the freaking caddy. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, man. There is no worse feeling than looking over and just seeing the hornets. And you're like, there's 60 of them. And I'm like, how am I supposed to get my my bag? Like, how am I supposed to get this? Like, I, I how am I supposed to get my bag? And the running in and dragging. But, like, it, they, I'm telling, like, and again, I'm telling you, man, like, bumblebees and, like, bees, like, they sting. Like, it's like a pinch. Like, I don't know if you've ever been stung before. Yep. Like, it's like a pinch. Yeah, this hornets was not are like a pinch. This was like I got stabbed. Like it was bad. Like it hurt a lot. So I, I was, uh, I didn't even play well. Like my back, I was actually playing pretty well at that point. Then my back nine, I imploded, and it's just, oh, it was a bad day. Bad day. Yeah. Mistakes were made. Well, glad you're not allergic. Drop. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too is I had no idea if I was or not. So like the guy goes, "Are you allergic to to bee stings?" I was like, "I think I was stung once when I was a kid. Like once I got stung by a bee when I was a kid." And that's what I'm saying. It felt like a pinch, and I was fine. I was like, but everything I've heard about bees is that if you get stung by a bee, it can like hit you later on in life. Like you can like, I, you can get stung once and be fine. And then like later on you can get, so I've always taken that approach of like, I'd rather not get stung because I don't know. Now I got peppered like 15 times by stings. And I'm like, the guy said to me, he goes, are you allergic? I was like, we're going to find out if I pass out in the fairway in five <laughs> minutes. I was like, cause I got no idea. <laughs> I was like, we're going to, we're going to find, apparently I was fine. Like I said, I finished the round. I told I told my father in law that too. I was like, yeah, I was like, I got destroyed by hornets. He goes, are you allergic? I was like, well, it happened on hole five, and I'm on hole twelve, so I think I'm through the clearing. I think we're good. But yeah, this is what happens. I try to make friends at the country club, and I get attacked by hornets instead. All right. Well, Sweet. until the next golf story from Connor, we are going to take a break here on the Can't Wait podcast. The season gets going again, of course, after the bye week this weekend. We will set you up and get you ready for the Patriots game coming up later this week on the podcast. Thanks for everybody for watching and listening. Uh, you can save 50% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. We'll talk to you again later this week. We can't wait.